Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Today, I'm going to talk about the second most commonly asked question that I've had in over three decades of speaking to Catholic groups. There are two that stand out far above all the others. You might have heard me say this before on the program. The first one, the most asked question, is about prayer. How do I pray? How do I pray well? How do I pray better? How do I pray daily? How do I develop a prayer life? That's the most commonly asked question. What's the second? What are we going to talk about today? I'll tell you in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. We're going to pray. Have you been thinking about it? What are we going to talk about today? Have you been trying to get clear on it? Have you been trying to sort through all of the options and identify the one that is the right one? Well, that's actually the answer. (laughs) Was that too clever? Or was that not clever enough? The answer is discernment. We're going to pray, and then we're going to talk about discernment in a variety of factors. Discernment's like a diamond with many facets. So we're going to cover a variety of aspects of how do I discern God's will? Let's start with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, we love you and thank you and praise you for the life you've given to us. We thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives. And Lord, we ask today for the gift of discernment. Help us, Jesus, to grow in our capacity to discern, to get clear, Lord, about what it is you are asking of us. Please, Jesus. And we ask for an anointing to be able to move with strength, conviction, and courage once we are clear about your call. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so I'm excited about the program. This is one of those, you call these evergreen conversations. It's evergreen, meaning that the content isn't just related to this particular moment. It's not based on the news happening today, but rather it's based on Fundamental principles that are applicable really at any point in your own life of faith. And so we're going to dig into discernment. We're going to talk about some principles and some practices. We'll talk about some insights drawn from scripture, from our tradition. We'll identify some methods for discernment. I just covered a lot of stuff there. And I know that when you listen to my program, you might think, oh, he's never going to get through all of that in one program you've probably discerned correctly. (laughs) I will, however, I will uh, share with you uh, some of each of those. So let's start. Let's just dive right in. Come on, let's go. What's the basis of the concept of discernment? So discernment 
First of all, as a word, means to distinguish. Discernment comes from discretio in Latin, the ability to distinguish between various showings up, various, when I say showings up, I mean something that's showing up inside of you, something that's showing up around you, something that's showing up beyond you. And among all the things that are showing up, you're able to draw out, you're able to pull the thread, point the finger, identify that nudge, that phenomenon, that the thing that's showing up around you and saying, there, that right there. That's authentic, that's genuine, that's from God, that is not, that's from me, that's from the devil, that's from the realm of the demonic, that is from just pure human sources, right? Being able to, to sort it all out, being able to, to sense and get clear about something is what is meant by the capacity to discern. And when I said that, the in the life of faith, when I would go give talks and say, questions, ask me anything, the number one area of questioning was, was prayer. Right? How do I grow my prayer life? The number two is, how do I know what God's will is? How do I know what God's will is? And when you, when you distinguish, <laughs> when you parse out, when you identify the different levels or layers that is part of that question— it, it very much varies. So on the one hand, there's this idea of how do I discern God's will for the totality, the whole of my life, right? So big picture discernment. Then there is discernment around, let's call it the state in life that sit that, that like, am I called to be married? Am I called to marry this person? My call to the religious life, to the priesthood, to, uh, to, to be a sister if you're a, a woman, right? Uh, that, that is another major area of discernment, but in, in a bit more focused, a little bit less general. The, the third is, how do I get clear about God's call for me in this particular situation? And again, it's a little bit less than my state in life. It could be, do I move? Do I stay? Do I take a new job? Do I take this job? What do I study in college? What, what, what should be my career? Right, so that there's like that next layer of discernment. Then you get down to day-to-day -day decisions. And, and that would be things like, okay, well, let me discern how to follow God's will in terms of using my time, my talent, my treasure, right? And then you get down to the discernment of what's God asking of me right now in prayer, in my spiritual life, with regards to this relationship, with regards to living my faith, sharing my faith, fulfilling a mission, right? So you get down right to the granular details of, of, the, of specifics of the spiritual life. So discernment runs through all of those. How do I discern God's will? Can be operating at one or many of those levels simultaneously. And is it important? Ooh, crucial, critical for us to understand the nature of discernment. And uh, unfortunately, sadly, there's far too little teaching on the nature of discernment. I think that's one of the areas where, you know, it's like, 
if we could hear more talks or evenings or, or discussions about the, the question of discernment, that would be a huge blessing, a huge blessing. And so um, I, I think that that's one of those areas where, you know, we, we need lots of help. So a little bit later in the program, I am going to tell you about an event happening in Coeur d'Alene on Friday the 17th, where there is a woman from St. Thomas, the Apostle Catholic Church, who's going to be giving a talk on discernment of spiritual gifts, of vocation, of life, uh, really to business people. So that's a bit of the context, but it will also be relevant to uh, high school kids who are a bit more mature. So I will talk a bit about that event a little later in the program. But before we dive any further into uh, into that, let's let's stop and just step back. I love to step back and understand the whole picture. Discernment, this idea of how do I discover, distinguish among all the things showing up where God is speaking, what God is willing, what God is asking of me, is based on a truth that's really so important for you to stand on like a solid foundation. And that solid foundation upon which discernment is based is you are not an accident. Your life is not an accident. Your being here today is not a random occurrence. No, it's based on the reality of God as your creator, your loving father, He has willed, planned, and planted you in this moment in history, and in doing so precisely has a mission, a purpose for your being here now. And so at the core of our being are these two fundamental facets of our being. One is connected to our identity. Who am I? I'm willed by God to be his son, his daughter, through Jesus Christ, elevated to share in divine life forever. And while I am here on earth journeying towards God in heaven, there's a purpose for my being. There is a reason why I'm here. There's a mission I am to accomplish. That's the foundation. And and. Wow, when we have that confidently part of our lives, then we can build off of that the rest of our sense of discernment because even moments in our lives that appear a bit, let's say, purposeless, difficult to connect to anything meaningful, good, true, or beautiful, when we go through those rough patches and we wonder, where are you, God? All of those other experiences, uh, all of those experiences that we have in our lives can be traced back to that foundation. I'm not here by accident. God created me, sees me, knows me, loves me, and has a purpose and plan for my life. And the things that happen in my life are either willed by him directly, or he permits them and will bring something even greater out of them than if that thing had not happened to me. He will do something greater when his perfect will for me is not accomplished. I just think that is so very cool. And so I bring that out to you to say the first and fundamental discernment that we're going to ask of the Lord is, who am I to you? 
And why did you plant me in this moment in history? Why am I here, Lord? What do you want of me, Lord? Where are you asking me to pour forth my life energy, my time, my talent, my gifts? Lord, what is your mission for my life? Right? So, so that's the first discernment. And so if it's based on the fact that God did create me for a reason, then guess what? He also has the capacity to communicate that to me. He wants to communicate that to me. He wills to communicate that to me. And and so it's not a matter of if I'm wondering what does God want for my life? It's a matter of me saying, am I listening? Am I putting myself into a position to be able to hear and receive God's communication? To hear his voice. Whoa, have you ever heard God's voice? That's pretty strong. Are you saying audibly? What does God sound like? Right? Does, does God's voice sound like a different voice? And let me just kind of slow it down and say, in our spiritual life, the, in our Catholic tradition, it, there's a very easy to understand, I think, distinction between God communicates to us in a way that we can understand and God speaks to me audibly and I hear him with my ears. Do you get that distinction? God communicates to you and you will know that God is communicating to you and you have the capacity to nurture and grow and mature in your ability to sense particularly what he's asking of you by his grace in the exercising of that gifting and at the same time, that's not the same as hearing words audibly in your ears. So in our tradition, the idea of hearing God audibly is extraordinarily rare. It's, it's, a, it's an extraordinary, like sort of mystical kind of charism that uh, some saints have had, that sense of Jesus appeared to me and he spoke to me and I heard his voice. But the 99%, <laughs> the great majority of us, we're not seeing Jesus and hear his voice, hearing him speak to us or hearing God the Father speak to us. But there's a knowing, I know that he was communicating to me. I know that he is communicating to me. I know what he said to me. So today in the program, we're going to talk a bit about the things that we do that will allow us to, at this biggest picture, this biggest picture, and then we'll get down to the, to the, the other levels, right? The biggest picture, my identity and purpose, my, the vision and mission for my life. Why am I here? Then we'll move down to the state in life question and then situations in life that are major decisions. And then we'll get down to the daily details. Okay. So we'll, we'll dig into those, but biggest picture. You can do things to mature your capacity to recognize when God is speaking to you and grow in your capacity to know, oh, the Lord is asking this of me. Okay. Do you know what it is? Grow in holiness. Take upon yourself the disciplines of growing in holiness. When you do that, your capacity to recognize that the Lord is speaking and what he is saying to you, you'll recognize it. <clears throat> Thomas Dubay, sort of a famous spiritual writer, he wrote uh, a famous book called The Fire Within. Uh, 
about St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila. Um, he also wrote a book on discernment called Authenticity. And even though it's supposedly a book on the theology of discernment, it's really a book on growing in holiness. <laughs> the great, great majority of the book is essentially saying, unless you're holy, you're not going to recognize when God's speaking to you. Unless you exercise certain spiritual disciplines to grow in holiness, you're not going to be able to get clear on when God is speaking and when he's not or what he is saying. So that's at least a first help, living the moral life and striving and, and growing in holiness. That's the first basis. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. So the first basis of the idea of growing in, uh, in discernment is growing in holiness. Grow in love with Jesus. Grow in your prayer life. And you're going to learn just through the relationship how the Lord is asking you to live. So think about it. The more that we are able to sense in our, here's the word, conscience, the good we ought to do and the evil we ought to avoid, what it means for me to act in a way that God honors God, either doing this, saying this, or not saying this and avoiding this, right? Thoughts, words, and deeds and omissions, all of those things, we can do those in a way that is in accord with God's will and in accord with the moral teaching of the church or in a way that, that dishonors God and betrays the relationship. That's what sin is, betraying the relationship. The more that our lives are conformed to the Lord, the more that our conscience is going to be clearer and easier, more uh, louder, <laughs> it'll be more prominent, in, in the depths of our hearts. Well, in, in the Catholic Church's moral tradition, what's another word for, what's another way of describing conscience? It's the voice of God within. That's what conscience is, the voice of God within. And so, doesn't that make sense? When we're honoring God by how we live our lives, we will have an easier time recognizing when God is speaking to us and what he's asking of us. If we're spending time in prayer, what is prayer? Communication with the Lord. And it's a two-way communication. So when we practice certain disciplines associated with growing in our prayer life that are meant to nurture our union with the Lord, such as liturgy of the hours, reading the scripture, quiet prayer, meditation, journaling, all of those disciplines are going to be doing what? helping us get clearer about the way in which the Lord is communicating and communing with us in our time of prayer. What benefit will that have? It will help us 
recognize more clearly what the Lord is asking of us. Big picture. Big picture. Lord, why am I here? What have you created me for? And so I, I want you, please, when, when, again, when you hear that the two most pressing questions that I get asked, how do I grow my prayer life and how do I discern God's will? You can see how they're intimately connected. No wonder. No wonder Catholics, if they struggle with one, they're going to struggle with the other one. If they're trying to just discover God's will for their lives and they're not praying, it's not going to happen. And if we focus on growing in prayer, guess what will also come out into the open? A clearer sense of what God is asking of me. So, growth and discernment is intimately connected and unable to be disconnected from growth in holiness. Okay, that's the biggest picture. Now, let's break it down to the next level and say, wait a minute, what about this state in life? Okay, so that's really connected to the mission that is yours. You remember that I said that your life is like a two-sided coin, the two faces of a coin, identity and purpose, vision and mission, who I am and what I am to be about. Well, you already should know that the discernment about this situation or state in life that God is calling you to He's calling you to a state in life, right? And so what are the states in life? Marriage, consecrated life, and priesthood. Those are considered the three states of life. And so in our tradition that is most prominent, every human being is called to one of those three states in life. The married state, the state of consecrated religious life, living the life of the vows. And that can be as a man or a woman. As a, as a woman, you think of a nun, right? Living consecrated vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And then there's the priesthood. And you might say, well, what about people who are single? And, and the answer is that at least the, the, the most dominant traditions in our, in our life of faith is that God did not create anyone to be outside of those three states. And that doesn't mean that there aren't people who end up being single, often being very sacrificial in their being single. Um, and so that's, uh, that's um, that I just put that out there to say that that's, there are some dominant and prominent uh, teachers in, in our tradition that focus on three states of life, and so they don't focus on being single as a state in life. Honestly, I'm not sure how I like feel about that. Like my own sense is that there are people who I don't know if it's they've just chosen not to be married. I, I guess uh, there are people who are single for the Lord, right? Single with a purpose, and whether it's single for the Lord for that relationship or single at the service of others, that does, for me, that does have a kind of like God's call quality to it, but I don't want to get hung up on it. Let's just focus on the idea of identity. No matter your state in life, no matter your situation in life, you're called to be a saint. You are called to the heights of holiness. You are called to be holy in every aspect of your conduct after the likeness of the Holy One who called you. Remember, be holy for I am holy. 1 Peter 1, like 10 to 13. 
okay? So you are called to be holy in every aspect of your conduct. You are to be perfect the way your heavenly Father is perfect, right? You are, uh, in fact, this is what in our tradition is the, called the universal call to holiness. Every Christian, every follower of Christ has that uh, vocation, vocation, vocat, call, right? In Latin, vocat, vocare, to, to call. The Lord is calling you to be holy. Now, to be holy means to have this intimate, profound union with the Lord, union with the one who is divine. And that union is transformative of your life so that you radiate holiness. You hear me talk about that all the time. You're called to be a saint. In uh, our tradition, that's called the, um, uh, the, the perfection of holiness, Right? We are called to, I'm sorry, the perfection of love. Uh, perfect, uh, the perfection of love is what uh, is that universal call to holiness. And um, so we all have that call to this perfection of love where we love the Lord our God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strengths. That's a way of knowing that you have achieved that call to holiness. Um, and um, so that's the first side. The second side is the one where most of us spend our time, I think, and that's what about my mission? So that situation in life, how do I know when I'm, if I'm called to the priesthood, called to marriage, uh, called to religious life? This is, a, this is again, a very interesting, um, a very interesting thing because there are, let's call them kind of two streams in our tradition. The first stream would say, when God created you, he created you with a very definitive purpose and plan for your life. He's called you to be a pope, <laughs> not just not just a priest or a religious, but a bishop, archbishop, cardinal, pope. That the level of specificity is that precise. And the same you could say is on the on the side of marriage. God didn't just call you to be married, he called you to be married to this precise woman or man and only this one. And, and so that's that's one of the streams in our tradition. The other is no, God has called you to become a saint and to be salt, light, and leaven in the world, to evangelize and make disciples and be open to life if you're called to be married and be generous and knowing and loving and serving the Lord by fulfilling the duties of a particular state of life, like the married state. And discernment is trying to discover a partner, a spouse, who has some of the same ideals or who's pursuing the same things and saying, you know what? You're, you're willing to sign up for that? So am I. Let's get married. Let's get married because each of us has been given this call, and and let we can we can go do that. And so, the the specificity is around the call to be married, not the call to marry this particular one. Um, and then the same would be true on the priesthood side. It's well, the Lord has called um, all people by nature, all men by nature. Uh, with a desire to, 
to be married. Just it's it's in their it's it's in the very structure of their being. But when some hear the invitation, many are called, few are chosen. When 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 they hear the invitation, are you willing to discern and make the decision to sacrifice the natural good? of getting married for a supernatural good of following the Lord more intimately. And you have what it takes. Pursue that. Go, go for that. And, and so that would be the idea that says every young man who is a, uh, a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus ought to consciously pursue the priesthood. Consciously pursue it and take some actions to move towards the priesthood. And by doing that, they're discerning, is there a sense of openness? Is there a dynamism? Is there an energy that says, I, I you know what? I, I'll do that. I will sacrifice the, the natural good of marriage for the supernatural good of pursuing the Lord as a priest, and I will live sacrificially the reality of celibacy. And so... You can see how these two streams in our tradition, they're hard to hold up both together. God's called me to a very specific, precise call, this woman, this particular way of living a state in life, versus, no, God has given us the general categories involved in a state in life, and you can pursue them, and God has given you space and choice to make your own decision, and the Lord's going to honor that by giving you the graces to follow him in accord with what you decide. Well, how do we reconcile those? How do we how do we like, get beyond that? And, and I would say it this way. I would say that there are some whom God has given a, I want to call it a density of specificity. He has made a bit more precise the particularities of that person's call. Like the Lord has actually created you in order to be a priest, created you in order to marry, but to marry this particular woman. And it is, he is going to guide you, provide for you, shepherd you, so that you have what you need to discern and respond to that particular, that more precise call. And that there are others whom God has, let's say, a bit more space regarding how it is they're going to live their call. So I, I, I want to say it this way. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day, um, like if for us to explore all the all the different aspects or strengths and weaknesses of or one or other theory of discernment. What's more important is for you to live and to help others live. So especially think of your family. So here I am, um, um, not just a husband to carry that I discerned, but I'm also the father to nine kiddos. And I am constantly praying for them. And in praying for them, I'm also trying to hear from the Lord some kind of prompting regarding, what's this one called to? What's this one's vocation? What's this son, this daughter's call? And so, for instance, Lord, for those 
of my children whom you've called to be married, I am praying intently and intensely, not only for them, but for their future spouse. Even if it hasn't been precisely identified, you made this son for that woman, this daughter for that man, whoever it is, Lord, that they're going to end up with, I'm praying for them, for that one. Does that make sense? And you can have your kids pray that same way. Even if it's, Lord, if you've created me for a particular man, please, like for my daughters, Lord, bless that particular man. Lord, if you've created me and you know who I'm going to be marrying, I'm praying for that one right now. And so you could see how they kind of fit together. You don't have to have an answer to be praying for your future spouse or for the future spouses of your kids. And the same would be true for, Lord, for those called to the religious life. Lord, for those who will be shepherded into religious life or the priesthood, please watch over, protect, and guide them so that they can get clear about that. And so that's how we can pray as parents. And that's how we can have our kids pray uh, at one level for the reality of their state in life. We're coming up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to take it down to the next level of How do I know if this is the right one? How do I know if, in fact, this is the right call? Because I I spent five years in the seminary, and I also spent several years outside the seminary before I ended up discovering and and dating, courting, and then marrying Carrie. So I'm going to share a little bit about discernment principles based on my own experience. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the Sound Insight. This is Tom Carr. I'm talking about discernment. How do you discover God's will for your life? How do you help others to discover and live God's will, God's plan for your life? We already know now that we're all called to become saints. That's our fundamental vocation. And we're going to do that by living out our God-given mission. And our God-given mission is, as disciples, to be salt, light, and leaven in the world by fulfilling the duties of our state in life. But What does that actually mean? Well, the states in life are marriage, priesthood, and religious life. And we'll even put people who are single either for the Lord or for some other service that they're living in their lives. Okay, take it down to the next level. Whether or not I know who specifically I'm called to be married to, I can pray for my future spouse. Whether or not I'm called to be a priest, I can still pursue that. Well, what about me? What about in my life? How did all this stuff work out? work itself out. Well, I've shared with you on Sound Insight a number of times. It was back after my freshman year of college that my faith was challenged. And in doing so, I had this encounter with Christ that set my life, my spiritual life on fire. It was in the Eucharist, praying before the Blessed Sacrament. Jesus became real to me in a whole new way. I knew that I was known. I knew that I was loved. I felt stirred in faith, the fire of the Holy Spirit in my life, a hunger for scripture, a devotion to the Blessed Mother, going to Mass, reading the scriptures, lives of the saints, all in on loving the Lord, just consumed with loving the Lord. My friends thought it was a fad. My my closest friends thought I was a little bit overboard, but Oh, I was like, God, now Jesus is everything for me. So my second year in college, uh, it was a drudgery for me. I was studying electrical engineering, and I just loved Jesus. (laughs) So I 
like, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do? So back in 1983, when this is happening, I'm saying, I just love the Lord so much. What should I do with my life? Electrical engineering just doesn't carry a lot of like gusto anymore for me. And back in 1983, there was really not a lot of what you'd call lay ministry, the, uh, where parishes had full-time lay people doing faith formation, evangelization, spreading the faith, sharing the faith. So someone like me comes along who's all fired up about Jesus. Well, where did people point me? Obviously, the seminary. If you love Jesus that much, if you're that fired up about being Catholic and helping others to be Catholic, well, Obviously, you're called to be a priest, or at least you should pursue that path. And so, absent of other real options, I entered the seminary. I, well, I went on a couple of these kind of come and see weekends, and again, I was so filled up with fire for Jesus. I'm like, yeehaw, let's go. And so after my sophomore year of college, I entered the seminary, and for the next five years, I was passionately pursuing the Lord and the priesthood and celibacy. And that I say that I say all three of those things. I never stopped passionately pursuing the Lord. I just now was doing it in the seminary where I had the opportunity to like live that out in my day-to-day activities. And so that was a great gift to me to be able to do that. On the other hand, one of the big challenges was that I bumped into a lot of other guys who were in the seminary, but they weren't at least, like, I don't want to say the word emotional. I want to say the word, like, personally, vibrantly, enthusiastic about Jesus. Jesus, right? And I'm I'm emphasizing the name of Jesus that way because I want to, call out the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus. And this come Holy Spirit, move us to share our faith and evangelize and and, and talk to everybody about Jesus and and the Catholic Church. No, didn't have that either. So the idea of being sort of charismatic, open to the Spirit, moving with the gifts of the Spirit, the idea of Scripture being consumed with reading scripture, loving scripture, talking scripture, loving Jesus, talking about Jesus. These were not very common in the seminary. (laughs) Just telling you the way it is. Back then, it was, you know, good guys who, I don't know, I think it was more they, I don't know, it was, they were drawn to the church and the idea of, being of service as a priest in the church was something that drew them. For me, it was Jesus. And in the context of that, oh yes, being a priest dedicated to Christ. The other part of it was celibacy. Because I had to figure out not to have celibacy be a bolt on. Bolting it onto something that I was pursuing so that I had to also come to grips with the fact that that was part and parcel of me pursuing 
this other call. You get this, right? I didn't enter the seminary because I wanted to be celibate. I entered the seminary because I wanted to be a priest. And so, hey, Tom, if you're going to be a priest, this comes along as part of the package. And I needed to be able to understand how this was part of the package and not some excess baggage. Hey, I just made that up. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, this is actually a, a way bigger thing than you might think in the seminary. Where guys, I, like I never, ever heard a guy, ever, in all my years in the seminary and then all the years afterwards where I worked with seminarians, I gave retreats in seminaries, never heard a guy say, you know, <coughs> I felt called to be celibate. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to be celibate, I might as well be a priest. So let me go to a let me go to a place where I can live out my call to be celibate. And I guess if I'm going to be a priest, I guess I guess I'll accept that as well. <laughs> Never met anybody <coughs> who did that in the seminary. Um, so in the seminary, there are a lot of guys who have to come to uh, the word. I want to say the word reconcile or come to integrate the idea that they're called to, or they're pursuing a call to the priesthood with the uh, that other aspect of living life as a priest, which is your celibate. So what did I do? I started out on the process of saying, Lord, if you've called me to be a priest, then you've also called me to be celibate. Let me understand the reality of celibacy, because celibacy has to mean more than not being married. And I had the insight that celibacy ought to be more than sacrificing a good that I was called to and willing to sort of tough it out because I'm a man and I'm willing to make a sacrifice, even that big sacrifice of something that I really want. And so... I discovered in the midst of all of that, that celibacy was this privilege, this privileged invitation that Jesus offers to souls whom he invites into a particular form of singular intimacy, a held in reserve intimacy of my entire affective life held in reserve for Jesus alone. It's an undivided heart, an undivided life. That's celibacy. And what I also discovered was trying to come to that level of experience of the call to be celibate was something I was not able to do. I was not able to discern that in the context of seminary life itself. Okay? Well, why? Why, why wouldn't I be able to discern this idea that I'm called to this privileged intimacy with the Lord in a held in reserve relationship with Him? Why, why couldn't I discern that in the seminary? Well, for me, it was a matter of, I don't know if you'd call it psychological. It was a, I couldn't psychologically wrap my mind around that because I had chosen to enter the seminary to pursue the priesthood. 
And so there was this sort of conveyor belt moving forward towards ordination. And so I wasn't able to overcome that idea that am I called to experience this Am I called to this this relationship with the Lord and this kind of uh, nearness and intimacy? For me, I needed to be able to step away from the seminary, to step away from that conveyor belt heading towards the priesthood in order to get the space to be able to hear, apart from a movement towards the priesthood, that the Lord was calling me to also be celibate. So that's why ultimately I left the seminary. And um, there's a little bit more to it than that. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Hey, welcome back to Sun Insight. This is Tom Karn. So uh, talking about this idea of discerning state in life, you know, it was quite a journey for me. Like, so I, I mentioned I just left this. When I left the seminary after my fifth year, I didn't leave because I had a reduced passion for loving the Lord, striving to be a saint, and striving to evangelize the you know, to bring the gospel to all the nations and to evangelize and to preach and, and teach and all of that. No, no, all of that was still there. Like I left, I entered the seminary being obedient to the Lord and I left the seminary being obedient to the Lord. And the call out was for the sake of all of a sudden now it's five years later and the concept of lay ministry in the church has started to boom and blossom. And all of a sudden, the idea that I might be able to serve the church as a layperson and either be celibate or married, but apart from that pressure of being moved forward, that was a real thing. And so when I left the seminary, I started working for the church as a layperson, directing evangelization efforts, working alongside priests, living in community with a group of men, and discerning being single for the Lord, being d- discerning a, a life of celibacy. And when I sensed that the Lord was calling me to be married, I was like, okay, I'm not called to be celibate. I'm called to be married. Now let me be open to uh, the idea of dating and, and getting married. And so that's when I started praying for my future wife, uh, my wife, wherever she was, Lord, where is she? And that's when I started to get a sense of saying, the Lord has planted my wife in my heart. And I started to pray, Lord, prepare me for her, prepare her for me, help me to sense when I am in a dating relationship, is she the one that you created me for? Is she the one that is created for me? So I was living in that sense of, uh, discernment around the idea of a density of precision that the Lord wanted precisely this one for me to be married to. And believe it or not, I found it super helpful. I share this with you just to say, you know, if you have a single young adult and they're trying to discern, is this the right person? Pray for that. Pray, Lord, is this the one that you have in my heart? Is this one in my heart? Because it would only take me one or two dates to realize, wow, you know what? I, I was drawn to this person for all these reasons, but I'm able to quickly come to clarity. This is not the one in my heart. And so I was able to peacefully sort of step away from the, 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 the dating 
the relationship. So I never had a long-term girlfriend. Just it, it was not part of my life because I think in part because of this reality of discernment and saying, is this the one in my heart? Is this the one, is this the one that I, I, I'm called to be married to? And sure enough, when I met Carrie, it was, I mean, literally our first time going out together that something just arose inside of me that said, this is the one I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. This is the one I'm called to be married to. And, uh, you know, it took, it took a handful of months only, but while that was being pressure tested, the discernment was being pressure tested that, yeah, this was the one. Now that was my journey. And when I, you know, I've heard so many people share their own testimony of how the Lord led them to the one they ended up marrying and different aspects of my testimony, my own journey overlaps with theirs. The Lord will be at work in you in your own way. So I, again, pass that on to you as parents, grandparents, to be able to be praying for your kids, your grandkids, for their state in life, and um, to hold on to some of those principles that I shared with you, if those would be helpful. Okay? Let's move down a level. Let's talk about the reality of major life decisions, right? Now we, we, we've already talked about your state in life. Now let's talk about major life decisions. Because this is, again, not, not another one of those, I don't want to get this wrong. Lord, if I'm supposed to like keep this job, I'll keep it. If I'm supposed to move to a different position, I want to know what that is. I don't want to, I got to get this right. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Should I move? Should I not move? And you know, uh, if you've followed me on Sound Insight in the last five years, how from 2018, the summer of shame in the Catholic Church, all the way till today, the, the amount of pressing, big, chunky decisions that are out there for Catholics to, to, to figure out, Lord, what are you asking of me? It, it has grown and grown and grown. Not even a question. It has just grown so much. And so um, when, we, when we think about that, it's like, okay, well, what do I do? Right? So when I am working with folks, you know, they reach out to me uh, in the context of real estate, right? So when people like reach out to me, so drtomcarron.com, you go to that website, that's my real estate website. I got into real estate for the sake of helping families discern and live their God-given mission. I want families to flourish. And a lot of families are in situations where they're not flourishing and they see their kids either facing right now or down the road in the future, a context for their lives that is putting at risk or diminishing or destroying their own Catholic faith. And it's like, you know what? I have to be willing to take action, action that I didn't expect to take, action that I didn't want to take, action that came from the outside and is, feels like is being forced upon me, action that I uh, will end up saying, it, is it really that bad? Can, can I just hold on a bit longer? Or, 
you know what? Maybe maybe it's it's just not that bad, right? And and, it, and so it takes a lot of time, conversation, prayer, discussion to be able to sort out what am I supposed to do? Lord, what are you asking of me? And so I've had the privilege in the last four years, since Carrie and I moved here uh, four and a half years ago, of walking with families through a process of discernment regarding, you know what? I'm supposed to stay. I'm supposed to stay where I am. And I'm going to be more intentional about living my faith with other families. I'm going to make, I'm going to be a bit more discerning about where we go to mass, which priest is going to be pastoring us, what ministries we'll get involved in to be more intentional in living our faith. And other families who have said, you know what, despite my desire to stay, for the sake of my kids, I have to uproot, tearing those roots, and I'm going to move. Like the flight into Egypt, I'm going to seek a refuge for baby Jesus so that he is not slaughtered among the innocents. I will not let my kids be slaughtered in their lives of faith. I'm going to move and plant them in a place where they can flourish. And again, to be part of dozens and dozens of families' lives and influencing hundreds of families to make the move, one of the things that is really clear is that this whole process is not really clear. One of the things that is easy to understand is that this is not an easy decision to make. It's difficult, and it often requires a tremendous amount of support, encouragement, and accountability. And so I will spend a lot of time on Zoom helping families to pray and discern and, and, and talk about what about my kids, what about schools, what about neighborhoods, what about parishes, what about what state we live in, what we live near, all of that sort of stuff, to the timing of a move, to what's the best way to, 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 to dispose of, to be a good steward of the resources that we have in, in where we're living and where we're moving to, all of that. You talk about major decisions in life, huge. So St. Alphonsus de Liguori helps here. You know, he is such a, an amazing teacher of the spiritual life. He says, in the major decisions of life, God will not let you be deceived. Isn't that encouraging? In the major decisions of life, God will not let you be deceived. And there's a, there is something underneath all of that. Presuming, of course, that you're praying and striving to do God's will. Presuming, of course, that you're striving to grow in holiness and you are repenting of sin and clearing away obstacles to hearing God's voice. Now, what St. Alphonsus didn't say is, and when you hear God's voice and he makes it clear to you what you're ask he's asking you to do, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to do it. So... All right, that's all I have time for today. Tomorrow is a Friday. That means Carrie is on with me, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about discernment and other things on Sound Insight. Thanks so much for walking with me. God bless you, and join me tomorrow. <laughs>